0: Your tactics should be determined by your customers and by your target audience. They should pick your tactics because they're the ones who you need to connect with. So you should be listening to them and the way they wanna connect with you, communicate with you, share content, consume content. That's what your tactics should be.
1: You're listening to Real Marketing Real Fast, the only podcast that brings you unfiltered, undaunted insider information on the latest tools and technologies for online marketers. Prepare to dive deep into marketing myths, breakthrough models, and cutting-edge strategies that will have an immediate impact on the growth of your business. And now, here's your host, marketing expert, Doug Morneau. Well, welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Today, our guest is going to share with us why the keys to business growth is a change of mindset and not a new set of marketing tactics. So today's guest is Todd Hockenberry. He is the owner, the founder of Top Line Results, which is a global leader in educating and helping B2B businesses adapt to Internet-driven changes in buying behavior. So translated, how are your customers or your potential customers buying online? Todd is the co-author of Inbound Marketing Organization, which is a book on how to build and strengthen your company's future using inbound principles. And it's scheduled for release this April, so the book is probably already out. And it was uh, published by John Wiley & Sons. In his book, Todd shows leaders how to build their community, their company's future around inbound marketing principles strengthen the the structural foundations that are necessary to deal with the changes in buyer behavior. Todd helps business owners like you and I understand that mission matters, culture is destiny, and that the way that the prospects and their customers want you to market to them, sell to them, and service them is changing. And most importantly, what you should do about it. So I would like to welcome Todd to the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast today. Hey, well, Todd, I'm super excited to have you on the podcast today, so welcome. Thanks for having me, Doug. I'm very excited to be here and talk to you today as well. Well, it's interesting to see that, um, you know, you're working in a you know, very similar space and you're working the B2B leaders and uh, helping them to drive sales and work in the marketing field. It's an area that I absolutely love. So why don't you share with our listeners just a little bit of background on yourself and how you kind of got to, you know, this space in your life.
0: Yeah, I started out in the factories of uh, Central United States in the in the flyover territory in the automotive industry and, and uh, kind of cut my chops working uh, industrial and manufacturing companies. And uh, about 10 years ago, in the middle of the Great Recession, I found myself uh, looking for a job, and I said, I'm never going to have another job again. So that's when I started. <laughs> I started Top Line Results with my wife. And uh, what we did was we started out with the premise that companies – were going about growth wrong, or that they were doing it in a way that was kind of traditional and things had changed. So we've spent the last 10 years working with companies directly on helping them understand what we would call inbound, right? So inbound from a marketing perspective is often thought of as, as kind of the a HubSpot inspired methodology where you create content, you, you optimize websites, you do landing pages, and you Share offers and and all that stuff is great. But what we realized a long time ago uh, is that inbound was a lot different than that, or it was a lot more than that. Really, what it was, was a reaction to the way we had changed as buyers. And again, this is not news to your audience. They know that buyers have changed. But um, just as a matter of kind of understanding where we came from we started to take those ideas into the sales department and into the service department and kind of thinking about how this should impact the entire company. And that's where the book came from, uh, that came out last year, Inbound Organization. And it's just about that, right? And it's about taking those ideas to the entire organization. And that's really what we've been working on. And we put a name to it and we have a book now. And that's really where we focus our time. And we help companies understand Inbound and how it impacts everybody in their entire organization.
1: Well, and I don't want to pretend that I understand how buyers have changed. I mean, there's, been, there's so many changes and there's so much new stuff happening on social. And it seems like there's a new platform every day and the rules and the platforms are changing. So, do you mind sharing just a little bit on how customers shop and how they buy, how that has changed, just to make sure that we're clear and we're on the same page as you?
0: Absolutely, Doug. Um, I'm going to give your audience a story. I like to talk in stories a lot. You'll you'll learn that about me. A couple of years ago, I was working with a manufacturing client of ours in Indiana, and they had an open house where they invited all their customers to come in and prospects to see the newest and latest and greatest equipment. And uh, this equipment was started at around a quarter of a million dollars and went up to a million dollars. This was not small ticket items or transactional things by any means. This was a very large, considered capital equipment purchase. I was standing there talking to the owner of the company that was our client, and another gentleman walked up, and there was a new product sitting there. It was a laser, and it started at a half a million dollars. And the guy walked up and said, Hey, who's your sales guy that I can talk to about getting a proposal for one of those? I want to buy one. I've done all my homework, and I've eliminated everyone other than you and one other company, and I just really want to work out the details of the deal. And I kind of, I, I took this example as really the, one of the best ones I could think of because uh, we think of inbound and we, we look at our phone and we know Amazon and all these things we know are obviously different from a consumer perspective, but it just was really, that story really hammered home to me that, the, that even in large capital equipment considered purchase situations, somebody who was already a customer of my customer, did ne- never reached out to my customer about this piece of equipment to talk to them until they had eliminated everyone other than two potential options. That told me that everybody, including large considered purchases, really has changed how they buy. So you, you know you change how you buy services and you buy groceries and you might get them delivered or pick up or all the app driven kind of buying we do. But you don't normally think of half a million dollar pieces of capital equipment being affected in very much the same way. So that's what I think has changed. And that's why um, companies need to respond in a different way, because this isn't just about marketing anymore. This isn't just about sales anymore. It's about how you think about your entire company. It's everybody starting with your mission and your strategy and your leadership and how you allocate resources, how you structure your business, who you hire, how you deploy them. It, It really affects everything. It's
1: not just about marketing anymore. It's about how you really run your entire business. Well, in that example that you gave, so where do you think the missing link was? Why do you think that that transaction, I mean, obviously they were, they were fortunate that they short, were shortlisted, but I mean, it could have gone the other way. They might not have made the cut and they wouldn't even have known they lost that the new sale from their existing client. Doug, you're exactly right. And uh, they were fortunate in that case and they did win
0: the business in that case. But what would have happened if they hadn't been shortlisted? That my client would have never known that someone who they already were working with and had sold equipment to was considering buying this new type of laser. They would not even have known. So really what it points out to is that it isn't about a marketing tactic or a sales tactic. It's not doing more of the same, which I think is what my client was trying to do at the time. Now, I know they've changed in the last couple of years because they're working with us, but they were still marketing and assuming that buyers were consuming information, gathering options, considering alternatives, and, and making decisions the same way they had five, 10 years ago, and they are not doing that. So it started with the mindset of the leaders that, that felt that they could continue to do the same types of things they were doing and get the same results, and that's just not the case. So it starts with the mindset of leadership, understanding how they connect with and create value for a customer, and then how they build a relationship moving forward. Now, the the, the good news, skip forward a couple of years after that story, is that client changed based on our understanding and research and work with them of their marketplace, changed their sales team from being one that was more focused on being an outside sales team to one that was more focused on being an inside sales team. And they created a lot more connections and ways for their customers and contacts to understand what they were doing and uh, how they could help them. They became a much more kind of helpful, connected um, uh, relationship between the two companies because they reallocated how their sales resources were deployed. So instead of having guys on airplanes all the time, knocking on doors, trying to sell things, they had people available 24-7 that could answer questions, support their customers, and be the kind of partner they were looking for. So, again, for me, it starts with mindset, the way you think, and then it all rolls downhill from there.
1: And I think, you know, often, you know, I, I'm definitely guilty of this. I go right to tactics. <laughs> yep. So, like, hey, let's do this. Hey, let's do
0: that. Hey, let's try this. Yeah. We like the shiny thing. We're marketers, right? We love the shiny thing. What's new? Hey, there's a new app. Hey, there's a new social platform. Hey, there's a new tech. Ta- let's do this. Somebody wrote an article. Let's go do that. Right. Yeah. And the issue is, do you think your customers like that? I mean, always start with your customers and your target audience. Uh, you've got to know them. You've got to know where they are, how they make decisions, how they change. And, and you want to match that, right? If the tactics match it, great right? Things like chat, for example. I'm sure you've talked about chat. I'm sure we all as marketers know what that is. Yep. But but, do your customers use it in a way that their customers want you to use it? And again, I, I've seen people sell very complex equipment using chat, which just stuns me, right? Where there's a some, I, one example I'm thinking of a company sold a piece of equipment that was about $25,000. And it wasn't something you typically buy off the shelf, but the the person used chat to get all their questions answered. They said, who do we send the order to? And my client was just shaking their head thinking we had no idea. That's that's, amazing. But that's the point, right? You have no idea unless you're evaluating, talking to them, understanding how they're consuming information, and then giving them the tactics they want, right? I I always say your strategy is dictated by you. You decide in your company how you're going to go to market, how you're going to position and differentiate. Your tactics should be determined by your customers and by your target audience. They should pick your tactics because they're the ones who you need to connect with. So you should be listening to them and the way they want to connect with you, communicate with you, share content, consume content. That's what your tactics should be. Not the other way around.
1: So, how do you go about that? I mean, okay, that if, you know, that sounds like a uh, you know, it makes sense, right? So, communicate with your customers in a way that they want to engage with you. Um, but you know, how do you actually execute that? What does that look like?
0: Yeah, yeah well, that's a great question, Doug. Uh, it starts with understanding the uh, what we call persona, and I think most marketing people would understand what a persona is. Yep. It's kind of a fictionalized representation of your ideal customer. It's based on behaviors, not demographics so much. So it's based on how they buy, why they buy, and the value they would receive from you. So, so first of all, and I'm stunned at how many companies in the B2B space do not do this. The first thing you have to do is you actually have to talk to them. You have to ask them questions. You have to go spend time with them. You have to get to know them, and you have to ask them, how they consume information, how they want to work with you. Most companies just listen to somebody that's the loudest voice in the room and they think that's the tactic they should follow and they do it. Bring me data, show me evidence, give me 10 customers that say this, right? Or, or test it, right? Chat's a great example. You can anybody can run a, a very low cost, easy chat experiment. Sure. Run, run the experiment and see if it works. See if you engage, right? And, Again, it sounds simple, but I, I'm shocked. I guess I'm not shocked anymore, I've been doing this long. enough. I'm surprised continually how often companies miss that point. And that's a big part about what we do with clients is we'll go out and interview their customers, their target audience, we we'll interview prospects, and we're gonna try to figure out not what they wanna buy, but yep. how they wanna buy, big difference.
1: Yeah, you would never think of, you know, selling that type of equipment on chat. I mean, I would think of companies that would go to big trade shows and spend huge amounts of money moving equipment there. And all those things that I've I've typically seen in the industry when they're selling that opposed to, um, like you said, and being available 724 to answer the questions when people are doing the research and just being responsive. Well, just think about that for a second, Doug. The
0: typical company that might continue to use trade shows, and I still believe in trade shows. I love the face-to-face aspect of trade shows. You can do things there that you can't do over online or email or phone. So I'm a believer in trade shows, so don't don't misunderstand. Yep. What what I see though is that companies don't necessarily understand how to use trade shows to their advantage or connect with people before during and after trade shows the way they want to, they just, it's passive, right? Maybe they send out a few emails, they wait for people to show up and then 50-50, they follow up, right? That's the data. The data says that only half of, roughly half of trade show leads are ever followed up on, which is stunning, but it's true. (laughs) So here's what I would do for a company that has a heavy trade show budget. I might go in and say, let's run a test for a fraction of what you would pay for one trade show. Let's run chat for a month, see what happens and see if we can match up an investment right? Can we generate 30, 40, 50, 100 leads using chat in a month? And does that compare favorably cost and ROI with a trade show, right? If you're using yeah. a good, if you're using a good CRM, you can track of those leads over time. Whereas, so for example, like a trade show, if you have a, a six month sales cycle, for example, you have to wait six months until after that show before you have any idea whether it's been effective or not, you probably have to wait a year. So now you've invested in that trade show again, the next year before you really even know whether last year's worked. Yeah. Whereas something like chat, you could, you could get a much faster judgment of ROI and whether it's effective. Again, that that's, that's just an example, but I, I would be talking to my prospects and customers. I would be interviewing them regularly and not just about, did you like the product? Did you get it on time? Was our service guys good? Or was our training people, did they answer your questions? I would be saying, you know, how did you find us? Where did you look? What other things did you evaluate? What social media do you pay attention to or use LinkedIn? What bloggers do you read? What, I mean, I just don't think enough people are asking these kind of questions of their tar- target audience. So we've seen big improvements in our clients when they do this and they really develop a good persona project and, and really dig in. And when they understand that behavior about how companies consume information and begin the process of changing all of a sudden now it changes the whole way they think about marketing right it's not just how much stuff can i throw out there it's what's can i put out there that's the most helpful and the most effective and that people actually want to consume so now we're getting back to the idea of inbound right the idea of the idea of inbound is you create content and marketing that's so attractive that people want to consume it they're looking for it they want to hear it read it see it listen to it that is not just a marketing function anymore companies need to think of their entire business that way how can we make our business so attractive in every way that not only do we attract the best customers we attract the best employees we attract the best partners the best suppliers the best collaborative companies right are you the center of some ecosystem that's attracting people to you or are you just standing there You're still shotgunning the world and chasing the shiny thing and hoping it works.
1: (laughs) When you say it like that, I mean, it makes so much sense. I mean, I love trade shows as well because I love to get face to face and nothing I think builds a deeper relationship than sitting across the table or or, or shaking someone's hand and having a chance to have a conversation. But like you said, if you're looking at your sales process from a holistic view, like a 30,000 foot level, uh, maybe there's some stuff you can do before, during and after the trade show in, in you know to your point in terms of communication, that will uh, accelerate the sales cycle. Will you know put you higher on the um, the prospects you know uh, list of um, potential vendors? No question. I I think that face to face is um, irreplaceable.
0: It's and it's more valuable today because people try to get away without doing it, right? They wanna use technology in place of relationship and it doesn't work.
1: I, and the other I, thing is that it's gonna, I think that the good news, bad news is, I mean, because like I've, I've already admitted, I'm a, I am have a, an issue that I, I like to execute tactics, like that's just what I like, I like strategy and and going outbound and driving, driving sales, is that you will probably identify stuff that you don't need to do anymore. You're gonna talk to your customers, like you said, And they're going to give you a list of where they spend their time, how they do their research and how they want to consume your content. And I'm sure there's things that bubble up, you're going to take your marketing department and say, you know, none of our customers are on pickup platform. None of our customers are on Pinterest or they're not on Instagram. So while we have this nice present and we're producing all this content, it's not serving them. That's right. That's right. Uh,
0: One of the things I'll do, uh, here's a takeaway for your audience. This is, this is a good test. I, I always like to use look at your website, look at your clients' websites and see who it's meant for, right? Is it talking to the CEO, the designer, is it talking to internally or is it t- talking to the, a real person, right? So if I go on, a, on your website, for example, we've been talking about equipment, so I'll use an equipment manufacturer, and all I see is equipment, or I see your factory, I know you're thinking about yourself. This is about, this is what you think is important. You think that our equipment is important or our, or our factory is important, and the reality is they are important but not to website visitors up front. They're important later on in the process, but up front, it's about them. And and if your website is not talking about your customers, your ideal audience, your persona, how you help them change, how you improve their business, how you improve their lives, how you help them reach reach their goals, then you're missing it. That's always the clue that I look for first to see if people really are thinking this way. Because if a website looks like that, then I see a company that's not thinking the way modern buyers want them to think.
1: Well, I thought for a minute there, you were going to actually say that you're looking at my website and that's what you noticed. So, um,
0: <laughs> no, no, no. You you do a good job talking about your audience and how you help them, which is, it's, it's not that hard to th- to do Well, it's, it is hard to do, right? It's hard to get out of your own head and think that, you know, you're really not a marketing agency. You're in the, I'm here to improve your life, grow your business and show you how to get more customers business. Right.
1: Right. Right. So, Yeah, I just had the conversation with a copywriter a couple days ago. I said, you need to rewrite all my copy. And he said, why? I said, because I'm too close to it. And I said, when I looked at it, it's all about me and and no one cares about me until I can solve their problem. So you need to get rid of me and put them there. And then when they're interested uh, enough to say, hey, should I work with this guy? Then they'll find out about me. But until I address their problem, they don't care.
0: Yeah, it's it's exactly right, and it, it's hard to do. You're right; it's hard to get out of your own head. But doing a persona uh, exercise like I described, and really making it a priority to understand customers and where they're at and how they buy, is is the thing that'll separate you from your competition. Uh, most leaders of businesses, when they talk to customers, they talk about product or the service. What do you need? They, they don't think about how they consume that service or how they they become in, introduced to it. Right? It's not. And again, if people are using the internet and content as a way to introduce themselves to companies, then that's you and your business at the front end of this process. And even if somebody refers you to to someone else, you're going to go and look at their website, right? So your website's you. And if it's all about, if you're talking about yourself, it's like you said, right? Who cares? I, I mean... I mean, think of all those emails you get or spam requests you get through LinkedIn or emails, right? Just give me 15 minutes on your calendar. I've got this great new widget or app. You got to have this. It's like, <laughs> I say no every time. Yeah. They never talk about me, right? How hard would it be to look me up? I'm all over the internet, right? Type Todd Hockenberry and you're going to find me everywhere. Uh, you would learn a ton about me, right? How How hard would it be to position your 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 cold call outreach to me in a way that was in the context of me, my business, and where I'm at, right? If you do that,
1: you might get my attention. But if you don't, I have no time for you. Well, I think my favorite response on LinkedIn, because I'm I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, is when people request to connect with me, I have one of my VAs, and we have a list of criteria that they look at with the request to either approve or not approve a new connection request. And then after the, the we connect with somebody, um, she sends out a personal note, basically, that says, hey, thanks, Todd, for connecting. Was there anything that you're looking for on my profile that you couldn't find? Is there a question I can answer? If you want to have a conversation and share about your business, what you do and see if there's an opportunity to talk uh, down the road, here's a link. And I get a response back saying, Hey, you know, great to connect with you. What, what do you do thinking? Are you you kidding me? You're on my profile. I sent you a note back about kind of what, what I do. But like you said, they didn't read it. It's just somebody going through the numbers. Like, let's see if we can hit a hundred accounts a day. And we're just going to cut and paste the same message. And it's just waste your time, waste my time. And nobody's getting a result out of it. But Doug, that's the key, right? That's the point. That's, that's a mindset. That's
0: lazy marketing, right? Yep. Is It's easy to buy a list and spam people. It, it's easy to just ask you to do the heavy lifting, right? But I don't have to, right? I've, Uh, that information's out there. You better do your homework and you better build some context and some value before you reach out to me. And that's the, that's exactly what I'm talking about is there's a mindset amongst way too many people that says it's okay to just interrupt people and, and hit them with boring messages and bad phone calls. And that's still okay. I I have a story in my, in the book, inbound organization about my car dealer. And, and again, long story short they just kept sending me emails and phone calls about uh, my car was three years old and they wanted me to turn it in. And they kind of gave me this bogus thing saying there's this high demand for your model. And we'd like you to come in and give you an estimate. And (laughs) all they're trying to do is churn me. Right. Sure. And I kept telling them I, I buy and hold my cars, my last car, I drove 250,000 miles, I'm keeping this car for another two years, and I'm going to give it to my daughter who's going to graduate from college, so she's going to drive it for four or five years, so I'm going to drive this car for, it's going to be driven for a couple hundred thousand miles, I told him exactly who I was, I told him exactly who my persona was, what my goals were, what success looked like to me, and you know what they kept doing every single month? They kept asking me if I wanted to bring it in for an estimate, because there's a high demand for my model. They never could pivot. I finally told them, I'm writing a book. I'm going to write a chapter about you guys. This is so annoying. <laughs> and um, they, they, their answer to, the, to my complaint was the general manager finally called and said, we'll take you out of our database so we don't annoy you anymore. I'm like, that's your answer? How wow. About solid, how wow about you don't want drop? to
1: sell me a car again. Wow. That's amazing.
0: So, so the, the end of that story is I went to another car dealer and to get my service done, and uh, I went in and dropped it off and stayed there. I was doing some work and uh, this young lady walked over to me and said, Mr. Hockenberry, I said, yes. She said, there's a high demand for your model. We would love to have you talk to Bob over here in the estimating department to give you a quote for your car. We'd love to see if you're interested in trading in it. And I was like, holy cow. They must have all gone to the same class. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same seminar. This is the person who's standing there talking to me face to face. And I said, no. Um, the buy and hold persona, I keep my car for 200,000 miles plus, but I gave her the same story and she said, oh, nice to meet you and turned around and walked away. That is, that is all, that is not her fault. She's been poorly trained and given a bad system. That is leadership's fault. People that run these businesses don't think enough about their customers, don't care enough about their customers to understand how freaking annoying their marketing and sales are to us. They don't care enough. To, to dig in and, and really understand what they're doing to their customers. That that's really what it boils down to. Leadership it's just a leadership issue. Leaders need to understand that they can no longer tolerate their marketing departments, sales departments or service departments being annoying, incompetent, spammy, interruptive. If you do, guess what? How hard is it how hard is it dug for you to find an alternative to anything today? how hard is it?
1: No, yeah, you're right. It's, it's easy. I mean, I can go online in, in a few minutes. I could actually do that while I'm, in, you know, the car dealership example, I could do it while I'm in the dealership. Exactly. So why would you think that you can get
0: away with the same garbage marketing and tactics? Why? I don't know why. I don't, I'm, I'm not asking you, but I'm asking the world. Why do you think you, we're going to tolerate this? We, we don't have to tolerate it anymore. We're not going to tolerate it. I don't, and I don't, I don't, I counsel leaders and owners of businesses that if this is not the number 1 thing on your board agenda in your in your senior leadership meetings then you're going to make a mistake and somebody's going to eat your lunch because it doesn't matter what product you're talking about or service you're talking about. It doesn't matter if your quality is good or not good. If you're not giving your your customers a great experience, they're gone. Right? I I love my car. I love it. It's great car. I hate that dealer. Right. So I'll go find an alternative. Right. And I'm, and again, the one I'm going to now is okay. They don't bug me too much with the phone calls and emails, but if they go over the line, I'll go find another one. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand why people don't realize that anybody can do this with any product or service. Right. So this experience piece is what matters more to differentiation and and long-term customer success than your product or your service your quality or the features and all that stuff. It's this experience piece that makes the biggest difference to growing and staying uh, at the top of your game in your marketplace.
1: Yeah. And like you said, it's knowing who you're, what the buyer persona is. I mean, I'm not going to share my sales story with you, but there's been a few situations where we've left when we've been face to face because the, um, the salesperson clearly didn't know who the buyer was. My wife and I were out buying some consumer products and I said, don't talk to me. Like I I'm, I'm just here for support and I just happen to have, you know, the credit card today, not her. So quit talking to me. I'm not buying. And uh, we left and the guy's going, why are you leaving? It's like, I'm not the buyer. (laughs) Like I told you, I was polite enough to tell you in the middle of your sales pitch, quit pitching me. It's not for me. And you clearly didn't hear. So we're leaving. So yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting marketplace. And you're right, um, people have lots of choices, and you know, not to mention all the new uh, upstarts and technology that are there to make it easier for you to find the alternate ways to shop. Well, Doug, I have a warning for your audience. I have three teenagers, actually two teenagers and a 20-year-old
0: now, and I actually teach a class in a college here in Florida, Stetson University. It's an intro to sales class. And we talk about all this stuff with my students. And these kids are young adults. They're 19 to 20 years old, sophomores and juniors mostly. And I promise you, if you keep marketing like this, you might get away with it for the guys like me that have some gray hair. But if you try that with these, this generation coming out, you're dead. I mean, you're dead, to, you're dead to them in every way you can be dead. Not only are you dead to them, you're dead to everyone that knows them and as soon as these the younger generations can, oh, and they're coming already right 20 30 somethings they're in the workplace they're buying they're not going to tolerate this stuff right they have no loyalty to you if you even if you've been selling to their company for 10 20 years they're going to you, know, you you make them mad they're going to go on the internet they're going to they're going to rate you review you they're going to it's it's not going to be good you <laughs> companies need to get it and and it's not just marketing That's, i keep hammering the you know the idea that it's got to be leadership leadership has to understand that this isn't just marketing anymore. It's how you run your
1: business. So if I pushed back and said, okay, I, uh, you know, uh, I hear what you're saying, but you know, isn't that going to take a big investment and a lot of time for me to turn that around? Maybe
0: if, if it doesn't though, you won't have anything left to turn around. It, it's not a, it's not a wish list thing. It's not a want to anymore, right? It's and the bigger companies are starting to get this right. But I, I deal with a company right now that's a $300 million company and they have, four divisions around the world and um, they have a sales uh, they have a marketing database a sales database and a service database in each of those four locations they essentially have 12 different databases right so how well do you think they take care of customer service issues right it's all this silo stuff right it's this horrible it's this horrible system that that doesn't give any clarity of information to the people that are trying to help these customers so what marketing learns, sales doesn't know. What sales learns, service doesn't know. And it's it's a horrible system and companies don't are not prioritizing this idea that everything they do has to be creating this experience for people that are used to dealing with things like Amazon. That's who they compare you to when you're dealing with the service issue. You're getting compared to the best companies in the world, not necessarily to your competitor in your space. So people's expectations are changed, changed rapidly when it comes to every interaction with your company, and if you're not facilitating those conversations and making things easy and sharing lots of content and not putting people on hold, I mean today, I mean it's another. I have a lot of. I could
1: rant all day on this stuff. Though, but, um, <laughs> well, I you know, just thought I'd, I'd poke you because I know there's going to be people listening going, "Yeah, it sounds good, but you know that's going to be budget and resources and blah blah blah." But like you're saying, this isn't this isn't optional. I mean, it might be if you're five years from retirement, you might be able to stay in the company before it closes. But maybe. If, but yeah. maybe maybe it'll last that long, so you don't have to change. However, but think about think about people that use the the ubiquitous
0: phone tree automated voicemail thing. You know, press one for this, press two for this, press and you get stuck in this loop and you can't get your questions answered. Oh my goodness, who does why you do that? Nobody likes that, right? The people that the company I see so many companies that'll that'll put poor systems out there like that for their customers, and they would not tolerate that with the people they buy from. But it's, somehow it's okay when they do it. Sure. And again, I I could go on and on and on. We're talking about tactics, right? This is marketing, right? Your connections, your relationships, how the people experience your company, that is your marketing. Because people share, they comment, this is ratings, reviews, on and on and on, right? This becomes your marketing, and if you're not doing it well, then it, your, your marketing is going to be poor. It doesn't matter what you say, it, it, your customers and the re, and, and the feedback people put out in the world about you is way more powerful and influential than anything you put in your marketing. So, again, I, it's a strategic imperative. and if companies don't start adopting what we call the ideas around inbound, then you you run the risk of having a great product and a great service and a nice team, but not the kind of experience that people want to, uh, to have with you, so they're going to go somewhere
1: else. Well, even if you think of yourself in your own industry and you're, you're, you know, you're one of the market leaders, the best example I heard uh, was I read a book uh, last year called Hunger in Paradise, and the author was talking about Lego and Lego being the largest by far in the toy business. And while the executives were kind of puffing their chests about being the biggest and, and having the market share, the new CEO comes in and says, but we're not competing with the other toy companies anymore. We're competing with the kids' attention. So our new competition now is Apple. Yeah. So you're no longer the biggest. Now, how big are you compared to Apple? Well, now you're a drop in the bucket. So you really better step up your game and, and your communication with your customer because now Apple's your competition, not, you know, pick another toy company.
0: Exactly, right? It's not just what you sell. It's how you sell it and how people perceive your, your, the interactions and the relationship with your company across every touch point. I mean, how many times have you worked with somebody's finance department or payables or receivables department that was frustrating and annoying? (laughs) Ken, are are managers, are are, are senior leaders thinking about that? Do do you force your customers to sign 43-page terms and conditions that no one reads, right? That's a horrible legal experience, right? Right. I mean, I could keep going and going. These are this, but that's yeah. marketing today. That's marketing today. That's that's your brand. That's your business. That's the experience people have with you, and every one of those touch points, you got to put through that lens. And uh, that's why you have to think about your customers first, and then work backwards. And um, tactics come from your customers. Strategy comes from you.
1: So to rip off a question from uh, Tim Ferriss's last book, what's some of the bad advice you hear around what you're talking about? So you're out at a cocktail party or at a trade show, you're at a business event, you just overhear somebody's conversation. It makes you want to go over there and slap them. What's the bad advice that people are giving out? That's a good one.
0: See, well, there's a lot of bad advice, right? There's so much content online. The bad advice typically starts with the tactics, like you said, right? It's not necessarily that there's one tactic that somebody might recommend that isn't worse, better or worse, but I hear people say, Oh, well, we just did some paid ads and remarketing campaign and we did great. Right. And so the CEO hears that and he goes back to his marketing people and says, Hey, we need to do a paid ad and remarketing campaign. <laughs> and, and then the guy jumps in or the lady jumps and does it right. Yeah. To me, that's the worst advice, right? It's not in any context. And again, that's what we fight against all the time. The, the shiny thing, right? Chasing the shiny thing. And um, thinking that one tactic that worked for somebody else is going to work for you. Um, that, that's what I would fight back against. And, um, I, I, I don't know. I think there's, I think there's a lot of, a lot of that out there, right? Cause the younger marketers are really good at saying, for example, video is hot right now. Oh yeah. You have to do video for everything. Everything has to be video. Every people consume more video than anything else. And, and I say, okay, video has a place, but does that mean you drop your kind of your core marketing and, and go all video? I, I don't agree. I think there's still a really strong place for written content and curated content and you know a well documented story that's written. Um, I don't think video is going to replace those things. Video has a place, I agree, but that that might be one where I think there's a lot of hype going on video and you know at the end of the day if everybody's doing it then it just looks like everybody's doing it and doesn't have much of an impact anymore, right? My 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 comment would be yeah. if you're going to do do video can you make an impact with it and not just do it just
1: to do it well and to your point is is that how your customers want to consume your content exactly I, if they don't want to watch video then the answer would be no now the question
0: now what i would say you would want with video is are there the kind of how to's right that relate to your product or your service right how to set up an account how to fix this how to replace that how to do 10 points of maintenance those are awesome those those are those are kind of becoming table stakes types of content you want to have. Nobody wants to read the whole manual. They want the quick start guide, right? So you need to do those kind of things. But, but again, what I'm saying is, is all your marketing, does it have to be video? Do we really care if your CEO is doing a five minute video and talking about how great you are? I don't, I'm out. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to see that. So I think it's just a matter of understanding your audience and what they really want, what makes their life easier and giving them that not this kind of of self-absorbed marketing. I think I just made up a term, Doug, that, that a lot of people do, right? Where you're chasing tactics, it it's, tends to be as much about you as it is about the customer.
1: Yeah, and the, the term that I hate the most is, oh, that's dead. Oh, direct mail's dead. Oh, email's dead. It's like, oh, really? So how, you know, when's the last time you got a letter from somebody? Oh, that's just clickbait, Doug. You know that. It's just clickbait. It's just <laughs> trying to get people to click on your stuff. and. <laughs>
0: You know, I think I think that's a good right if you if you think you're you're going to get people to pay attention to you and buy you because you're click baiting them into clicking something I uh, that's not going to work either. I know I I, I can't stand that stuff anymore.
1: Uh, give well, me some- it's, not, it's not authentic, right? I mean, you're, you're, you're tricking somebody. So my thinking is if you've tricked me here at the beginning of a relationship that could potentially lead to a sale, um, I don't trust you because this is the best you're going to ever be. You're going to be in your best behavior to convince me to talk to you. And then once you have my money, the service is going to go down. So yep. if you're lying to me today, um, I, I would expect that after you take my money, you're going to continue to lie to me, but you're just not going to respond to me when I complain.
0: Yep. I, I, all the people that are making these great claims and claiming to be experts and knowing how to f- solve all these problems, you know, show me examples. Give me, give me the data. Give me a case study. Give me five case studies where some other, one of your customers lays it out there and says, yep, we grew by a hundred percent because we did this one special thing, right? I want to see that. Yep. Uh, now I'm interested, right? If that's, <laughs> if, if you can show me evidence and you can give me real people that are saying, uh, that are backing you up, I- I'll listen. Otherwise, I think, I think it's just, you just, it's just uh, we're finding new ways with technology to annoy more people at scale, right? I, that's not good.
1: Yeah, I have a postcard on my desk that quote from the Forrest Gump movie says, you can tell a lot about a man about, uh, by looking at his shoes. <laughs> and so I've heard a lot of experts speak and I'm looking, I'm thinking, man, you're, you probably rode the bus here. No, there's nothing wrong with the bus, but the reality is you're really not making zillions of dollars on social media. So, you know, like you said, give me some case studies, have some real life example, not just theory, where you executed and you got a conversion, and this, these were the numbers, and this is how it rolled out. I brought up the website
0: idea, right? I mean, if you're marketing out there, it's if you're a marketer for your own company or you're, you're a marketing agency working for other people or a consultant, start start with the website. I mean, we know everybody is going to look at your website eventually, right? Eventually, somebody's going to if they're interested in your company, they're going to get on your website, right? Yep. Get the get the content right, get the text right, use modern tools, get make it responsive. Is it mobilely optimized? Can I look at it on my phone? You know the basics I mean just nail the basics and I I would say most companies will see significant improvement if they just follow kind of do the basics right forget about the special shiny tactics right get that basic stuff down well that's just common sense that sounds so simple I hate to be simple. It's not simple. If it was simple, everybody would be doing it. Nobody would hire us. But um, unfortunately, that's well not, no, I don't say unfortunately. Fortunately, that is not the case. People are still hiring us on a regular basis. So.
1: Well, I think it comes back to the, it's the mindset thing, like you said. So that's, you know, while the, while your concepts are simple and they make sense, you need to change your mindset and that's going to take, you know, work within the, your company to work with the culture and to have that transition happen.
0: Exactly. And I my, my challenge to leaders, people that own companies or senior leaders in companies is to shop yourself, put yourself in your customer's shoes, see how you treat them, go through those experiences yourself and, and look in the mirror and say, you know, do I like this? Do I want to be treated this way? And, uh, and then start talking to your customers and ask them how they want to be treated. And, and that's just as important as whether you're looking at your designs or your product or your materials or your engineering, engineer your relationship as well and as in detail as you engineer your product or your service.
1: Well, and I say the same thing about the marketing. So, you know, if you subscribe to, you know, if you want me to subscribe to your email list or download your lead magnet or your, your offer, your free report or whatever it is, you know, how do you want to be treated? when you subscribe to somebody else's list. Think about that and then treat people the same way because we have this, these two standards. Like, well, I, I don't want to be sold every day, I want value, yet they get on your list or they get on your social media and you just blast them every day with your sales message. <laughs> well, that's one of the things that
0: we've been working with our clients on is that, uh, and this is, goes a little bit counter to the traditional kind of inbound methodology, which is create, awareness top of the funnel type content, convert people by grabbing their email on a form and a landing page and then nurture them to the sale. And I'm not sure that model works much anymore. I I think we've all kind of figured that out. I mean, we know, we know we're going to get nurtured. We're going to get a bunch of emails. And you know what? I think the best prospects don't put their email in for that ebook anymore. How many of you out there have like hundreds of ebooks, PDFs in your, on your computer (laughs) that you've never opened or read, but you, somebody now magically has your email, right? Yeah. I would say look at those and see, add up the ones you've actually purchased from. And I'm going to tell you the answer is really, really small, if any. So my suggestion is, this would be another takeaway for the audience, I think, is is think about when you ask for that information and why you want it. And why are you looking for it up front if that isn't a pathway that your customers say is the one they want to follow? Why don't you just share all of your educational content put it all out there. And when they're ready, give people opportunities to connect with you when they're ready to talk to an expert, right? They don't want to talk to your lead nurturing emails, they want to talk to somebody when they're ready. And you can't make them ready. You can't force them to be ready. You just need to be there and available and ready when they are with whatever connection methods they want, whether it's phone, whether it's chat, whether it's, whatever, right? Text, you name it, right? Give them all the opportunities that you can to connect with you. And then when they're ready, they'll reach out. But I can tell you this, I signed up for probably 1000s of lists over the years and gotten 1000s of emails. And there's maybe five that I can think of off the top of my head that I actually care about and listen and look for. The rest are garbage. They go in a spam folder, or I've unsubscribed from them already.
1: Yep, totally, totally agree. I just uh, did a podcast episode on uh, people unsubscribing and saying, if you don't like my content, do me a favor. Don't just let it go to your uh, inbox. Just unsubscribe. I'm trying to find a tribe, add value to your life every day. And if I'm not speaking your language, you know, no hard feelings. Just move along. Do everyone a favor. Less junk in your box helps my deliverability. So, thank you for uh, joining. But uh, happy to see you go and find a better place.
0: Yeah, and and good inbound marketers are are doing that, right? They're cleansing their lists. They're they're making sure people are opted in. If there's not in, no engagement, they're giving people a chance to re-opt in. Or if they don't re-opt in, they take them out. Right? It's exactly right. You. There, there's no benefit in bombing people with garbage that they don't want, right? But you want to be available to them and you want to be helpful to them all the way up to the point in time where they're ready to talk to you. Yeah. So it doesn't, I'm not saying don't do content. I'm not saying don't create helpful information for the entire buying journey, but don't think that you can, Automatically lead nurture somebody to the point where they say, "Oh yeah, you know, I got these three emails the last six months. I'm going to buy
1: now." Right? And it doesn't work that way. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, a couple of questions, and I'll let you get back to uh, doing what you do best. And that's uh, helping your customers make more money. Who's one guest you think I should have on my podcast? One I can think of a bunch, but I'm going to I'm going to suggest my
0: co-author Dan tire co-author of the book Inbound Organization. Dan's a senior uh, sales executive at uh, at HubSpot, so he's kind of in the selling in the inbound world, and he has a really interesting take on on marketing and customers today.
1: And um, he's even more energetic than I am. He makes me look like I'm falling asleep. <laughs> and last question, uh, where can people find you and get more information and connect with you? Well, you can, they can find our website. It's top-line-results.com. We also have a
0: website for the book. It's inboundorganization.com. And on that website, there's a, an assessment you can take. It's free. I don't ask you for your email at the end. <laughs> if, you, if you want me to send you the PDF, I will. But I, you can get the results of the assessment without me taking your email, there's a hint. So no risk at all. You're not gonna get spammed by us. And um, I love LinkedIn. I'm I'm very active on LinkedIn. It's uh, just my name, Todd Hockenberry. Feel free to reach out to me. Uh, If you listen to the show, if you like what we talked about, I'd love to connect and talk to you some more uh, on that platform.
1: Well, excellent. Hey, thanks so much, Todd, for taking time. I really enjoyed the conversation. And uh, we could have this conversation. I could talk to you for a lot longer. But uh, in respect of our time in the podcast, uh, we'll connect offline and carry on the conversation. So, Thanks for sharing with our audience. My pleasure, Doug. You got my heart rate up. I'm all excited too. So uh, remember, I hope your audience
0: remembers, right? Put yourself in their shoes. And if, if what you're doing thinks is something you would like, then keep doing it. If you don't like it, stop doing it.
1: Absolutely. So there you go, listeners. There's uh, lots to think about. And the great news is none of this stuff is tactic-driven. It's not beyond your reach. It's uh, just really a decision, like uh, Todd said, to change your mindset and get in the minds of your customer and how they want to communicate and be communicated with you. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, Don't be shy to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Leave us a review or a comment. I will transcribe these notes uh, of this episode, and I'll make sure that we've got all the links to Todd, his new book, Inbound Organization and uh, his social media site. So thanks for tuning in and I look forward to serving you on the next episode. That's all for this episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Now it's time to take your marketing to the next level by visiting dougmorneau.com and downloading our advanced marketing white papers as well as exclusive resources based on today's episode. That's dougmorneau.com. Until next time, we look forward to serving you right here on Real Marketing Real Fast.